Hello, and thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Crown of Command podcast. In today's episode, we're doing an interview with one of the members in our community from around the world. Hope you can enjoy our little interview and our discussions on the wonderful games that were from the Gamesmanship era in the 90s, or maybe something that was inspired by one of those games from the 90s. Who knows? You'll have to wait and see. But if you'd like an interview with me at some point in the future, please get in, get in touch with me through either through the Anchor podcast email address or through the Corona Command podcast at gmail.com or through my YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, well, let's get on with the episode. Thank you very much for joining us today and, and this evening for this podcast. And uh, the reason why I brought you on is because I discovered your channel on Facebook and you're part of a special project, uh, like a homebrew rules of uh, the fourth edition uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle set. And it really grabbed my attention because visually, you know, I could see all the models, I could see the, the covers of the army books and um, the magic set and that kind of thing. And I was really automatically drawn to all the amazing battles that you and your friends play at home on your wonderfully uh, uh, scenic tables. And uh, yeah, I've been a follower ever since. So first of all, I just wanted to ask you, uh, how, how, did, how exactly did you get into this whole Warhammer fantasy battles or miniature gaming in the first place? Well, in the first place, uh, then we had to travel back in time until I believe 1993, uh, when I was in high school. Uh, I really wanted to play a game, uh, a, a fantasy battles game, like uh, something from Lord of the Rings. And it was just at that time that uh, Games Workshop released Warhammer Fantasy Battles. So a friend of me told me, yeah, we could share this box set. I'll take the goblins, you'll take the elves. I said, okay. And I was hooked. Um in in the beginning, I believe I was a, a little skeptical about the Warhammer world. I mean, there were cannons, but there were no cannons in Lord of the Rings. And there was this chaos thing, which I, I really didn't understand at, at the beginning. But very soon I was drawn into this world because it's it's really a wonderful world, the Warhammer world. And uh, later on, I've, I've been reading all the background stuff, you know, Elric of Melniboni and all the novels that, inspired the world, uh, the Warhammer world, as uh, as we know it today. So that's how it all started. And I played the fourth edition uh, on a regular basis. And then I, I moved uh, to a larger town to study. And there I met a lot of people and we played fifth edition. And uh, things went a little more uh, competitive in, in the late 90s. So I really learned to play the game and, and master the rules rather than just enjoying myself and having battles. And just when 6th edition came out, I, I was a really good Warhammer player. I have um, on, on storage, I have diplomas, I believe 10 diplomas, and they all give me the second place in tournaments. <laughs> um, but then eventually uh, work came along and then children and then the 8th edition. And with the 8th edition, I, I felt the game wasn't really 
the kind of game that was when I started and and that I liked. So coincidentally, um, the eighth edition and child number two came at the same time. So I put all my miniatures in storage. So that's my experience with the original Warhammer game. Okay, that's fascinating. Thank you very much for sharing insights into that. Um, yeah, like like yourself, uh, Balder, I got into Warhammer with third edition, the third edition rulebook, and then later it really really started with fourth edition. So yeah, they you know the fourth edition box set, the the goblins and the high elves, you know, painting my miniatures and really getting into the game sort of um, brought back a lot of nostalgia and um, really great memories of that period and playing with friends uh, locally and that kind of thing. And it was very fresh and new in, the, in, that, in, that, in that stage of the uh, development of Warhammer. And then, uh, and then fifth edition came along, of course. And, you know, and as you say, it probably did get more competitive during that time. So, Okay, so you, you had you had children, you had work, and then maybe you put all your, your figures in storage and that kind of thing. So, can you talk talk about how how it sort of progressed into this Warhammer Renaissance that you've sort of developed nowadays? Um, I believe um, well, it just came overnight um, when when the ch children had grown up uh, and they started to go to school, and I had a little a little free time. I've carved myself a little free time now. And I thought about how, what should I do with it? I had taken up playing role-playing games again. Um, and that worked fine. And now I had a little more time. So what could I do? Uh, I wanted to play a miniature game. So I had this inner dialogue. Uh, what game should it be? And I ended up realizing that what was the most fun was the original Warhammer fantasy battles. And the most fun period was in the 90s, where the rules were more sprawling, more colorful, where the game was more epic, and there was more tale telling in the game. Um, so I thought about, what about playing 4th or 5th edition? It would be hmm, the, the natural thing to do. But then I started remembering all the things that really didn't work and, and why I thought that 6th edition was actually an improvement in the rules, even though something was lost in the streamlining process that it was. So I ended up uh, figuring out, how, maybe I could just twist the rules a bit. Maybe I could, I could make up um, some house rules that would make it work. And that's how it all started. So when I had made like 20, 30 pages of house rules, I realized I might just as well rewrite the whole game. And, um, well, so I did. It took a couple of years, uh, but I did it. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, you've, you found the inspiration to pick up a game that you've, you remembered and cherished, you know, back in the day and that you want to revise it and sort of remake, remodel or remake it in a way that um, sort of suits your gaming needs and the way you sort of envision it. So for, for a person like myself, sort of coming in from the outside, who, 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 who to be honest, hasn't even looked at your uh, rule book that you've, you've, you've constructed or made, uh, how would you sell it to me? Or how would you describe it? What kind of benefits or what kind of positives 
are there in the changes that you've made in your version? First of all, I would uh, tell you that I really haven't changed that much. So it's very much the game you know and like to play. Um, but I have, I have made many things a bit easier. Um, let's talk about the flaws that was in 4th and 5th edition. 4th and 5th edition is basically the same game. It was revised with 5th with edition. It used the same army books. So uh, that's not much of a difference to me. Um, if we look at the way models move, uh, movement is slow and uh, big units, ranked infantry, is very slow and hard to maneuver. So I've, I've made it a bit easier. Uh, you, can, you can march through terrain, uh, but you still have half moved through terrain. I mean, it, it was impossible to get anywhere if there was terrain in the way in, in the old edition. If you have a musician, you can pivot on the spot before and after taking a normal move. Uh, These are small, small changes, uh, but they make movement faster and it makes it easier for you to do some maneuvers that can eventually lead you to winning the game. And I think the game should be about maneuvering. Um, I've also clarified uh, the rules about charging and uh, aligning units, uh, but it's, it's pretty much uh, the same thing as, as they did in, in, in 6th edition. In, in general, the, the rule, the core set of the rules is mainly inspired by 6th and 7th edition, but the magic system is 4th and 5th edition, and the army books are also 4th edition. Um, so if you look at the weapons rules, I think they are they are exactly as they were in sixth edition, which is pretty much the same as fourth edition, but just a little smoother, a little quicker, and that's that's the whole concept. Can can I streamline the rules? Can I make it a, a little faster to run? Can I make it a little easier? Take uh, chariots for example. In, in fourth and fifth edition, you had to randomize what part of the chariot you hit, and it might reduce movement. And if you had four horses, that was reduced to two horses, you had half movement. But if you had two horses from the beginning, you had full movement and, and, and things like that. And it became annoying. I remember I was particularly annoyed about that about the chariot. So, so here I, I believe that the 6th and the 7th edition did better. Um, but what, what I really liked about 4th edition was uh, all the, the magic items. There were so many magic items and combinations. Uh, what I didn't like was the fact that often heroes would be uh, much, much stronger than ordinary regiments. I like heroes, I like grand heroes, but I thought, could I perhaps create a little more balance to the issue between heroes and war machines on the one side and ordinary regiments on the other? Not, not in such a way that um, heroes became redundant. No, not in any way. So basically what I did was to implement uh, the rule that you remove casualties from the back. When a mighty hero on a mighty monster in fourth edition charged into a regiment, he could wipe out the first rank and then the regiment could not return blows. This is no longer the case. So you cannot 
use that kind of tactics anymore. You have at least to charge in together with a regiment. Um, so I have toned down characters, or rather, no, I have not toned down characters, not at all. I have improved regiments, so they have a, at least a fighting chance against characters, powerful characters. Um, and, well, the most important part, I think, uh, regards the army books. In, in the army books, um, there were some regiments that were overpriced relative to other. You, when you have played a few games, you realized, but, but this regiment is not as effective as this regiment. Um, so there were some regiments you would favor before others. And that's really a shame. You, you, and you, you can easily see which regiment it is if you go to eBay. Go to eBay and you'll see some models are really, really expensive and some models are not. And that's because people purchase those miniatures that was the most useful in the game. Uh, the war wagon, for example. Oh, I love the war wagon, uh, except I've never played with it. Uh, and uh, it is extremely expensive to, to buy a war wagon on eBay because it wasn't quite useful. Uh, in no time, one of the horses would be shot and it would just stand there doing almost nothing. So what I've done is I have revised not only the rules, but every army book. And I have adjusted the point cost. So in, in a way, so I think that every unit is equally attractive. If we talk about magic items, I believe I've done the same. I've looked at the price of all magic items and there were some magic items in fourth and fifth edition which we, which we would always favor. Uh, I suppose everyone always went to battle with a golden uh, crown of Atrasar or golden helm, I don't remember what it was called and, and the black amulet. Um, now I have adjusted uh, the point cost so the defensive items have become more expensive, the offensive item less expensive. Um, and I, I hope that all magic items are equally attractive. So I have not really tried to, to change the game into something else because I liked it as it was. I've only tried to alter it slightly to become what I believe it was always meant to be. Okay, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm sort of more intrigued now with your your particular rule set, and I'm I'm actually quite convinced by it now that I want really want to try it at some point. So, was were, were these changes were they were they just made by yourself, or was it a sort of like a community thing that you sort of introduced things or ideas to your group, and then it was like a consensus between many people, or was it like just you and your gaming buddies and that kind of thing? Well, I'm the leading character on the project. It was my idea, and I broke the rules. In the beginning, there was no community. Uh, in the beginning, there was only me. So um, I started asking my old friends, who, who wants to play again? I started asking my neighbors if, if they wanted to play, and amazingly, there's really a lot of people out there who played Warhammer in the 90s and who have really dreamed for a long time doing that again. So it was no problem really establishing a small community of players. Um, so I, I'm the one that takes the decisions. 
but I, I want as much feedback as I can. And that's also why I made the Facebook group Why I'm a Renaissance, where I, I put out new proposals and ideas and, and get feedback from them. And I, I listen a lot to, to what they write. Um, but mainly um, what has influenced the rules and how they look right now is playtesting, playtesting, and playtesting. Uh, I've never played so much Warhammer in my life as I've done in the last three years. Um, uh, at the same time as I decided that I want to write these rules, I also decided I wanted one of each army. At the time, I had my old Empire army and my old Woodolf army and a few odd things. And uh, then I just started collecting miniatures. Uh, and I have had a lot of parcels coming in. And I've, um, I've also bought a, a few things on, on eBay. Uh, that, that really isn't that expensive when you think about it. Uh, okay, they are. They are really expensive. I've, I've spent an awful lot of money on, on this. But I, I felt that if I had to write this game and if I had to write all the army books, I had to play the armies. It's so easy to have an opinion upon an army if you don't play it. So basically what we have done is um, we have collected every army. I have each and every army, except uh, so far Dogs of War. It's still in the uh, a project to come. Dogs of War is really expensive. And, um, and then we have played, and we have always played a new army, and we have switched armies, and uh, it has given me a very broader perspective on the game. So uh, the game, as they are now, is a result of lots of playtesting. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So which of the army books did you enjoy like rewriting the most? Uh, well, my, my favorite army has always been the Empire. The Empire army as... Uh, as it looked in late 3rd edition, early 4th edition, the Perry Twins Empire Army, with all its sprawling colors and uh, its uh, fantastic background story and all the provinces. And they have lots of war machines. They have lots of spectacular things like the steam tank and the war wagon. They have halflings and ogres and Kislev. They have state troops. Um, in 4th edition, uh, they had uh, College Magic, the Eight Laws of Magic. Uh, they, they, uh, they disappeared in 5th, but they came back in later editions. Um, so they had also these very colorful, bright wizards. Um, it's a cheap army, so you can have a lot of miniatures, and it's a very versatile army. You can have infantry, you can have cavalry, you can have magic, you can have shooting, both heavy shooting, light shooting. In fact, you can have everything. It's not very reliable or particularly good, uh, but it's a very flexible army. And uh, if you know what to do with it, it, uh, it can be really fun to play. But I cannot say that I have only one. Um, I started out with, um, with high elves. Uh, as, as I told you, I, my very first Warhammer experience was the my very first Warhammer experience was the 4th edition box set with High Elves. So my first army was High Elves, and I still love the High Elves. 
And uh, today I have a, a high elf army painted um, exactly in the same colors as the original fourth edition high elf army. And I, I get so warm and happy every time I put forth those miniatures and command the high elves. Uh, but I have more. The Wood Elves. I really love the Wood Elves. Um, and the Wood Elf army for, um, for Warhammer Renaissance uh, has been quite a challenge writing because the Wood Elf army is one army that have changed throughout the game. In 3rd edition, uh, which I also admire though and never really played it, in 3rd in edition Wood Elves were much like High Elves um, and quite ordinary um, uh, yet very fascinating models. And then they changed a bit in, in, in fourth edition, and then they changed character in, in sixth edition. And they have had a variety of special rules over the various edition. And I have tried to make an army that um, can encompass, can, uh, can hold together all the many army books. So you can, you can play a wood elf army like it was in third or in fourth. Uh, or on sixth, if if that's what you like. So Woodolf also means a lot to me, and um, the dwarves, <laughs> the dwarves and chaos, of course. Um, in time, I've I've also learned to appreciate the chaos dwarves. Uh, at the time, I thought, how oh, those hats aren't they a bit silly? But but today, I adore them. That's how it is with nostalgia. Uh, things often becomes much better with time. And, and today, I just think the, the Chaos Dwarf is a great-looking army. Uh, Undead. Oh, I really like Undead, too. Um, all the armies uh, that came out for 4th um, for edition would be my favorite armies, in fact. Yeah. Well, I share that sentiment exactly. You know, I, I love all the 4th edition armies, and it's been my mission for the last two years to collect as many of those armies as possible, uh, starting with my dwarf army. So like yourself, yeah, I, I love the dwarves. I love uh, the high elves. The high elves were the, the first army that I ever painted uh, back in the day with the fourth edition set. And I think most people can relate to that particular story or that army. Um, so yeah, it, they, they hold the most uh, fondest memories for me. Definitely. And I've, I've, and like yourself, like you said about the Chaos Dwarves and you know, the big funny hats they had, but now I have, a, I have a really strange sort of appreciation for them now. Like, you know, it's back in the day, I thought they were hideous, but now I think, actually, they're pretty good, actually. I, I quite like the monopose plastic Chaos Dwarves. I quite like the characters, and I'm actually painting one for the very first time now for somebody else. And I've got a, this newfound appreciation for them. And, um, and I think Gary Morley, like all the undead models that he designed in the day, a lot of people didn't really like them, but now I really like them. So it's it's yeah. I think I think you I think it's right. The nostalgia effect that you has in your mind, and and you know the the way that you sort of look at things back in the day, it's sort of all changed, and it's all come around full circle now. And now you're sort of wanting those models that you never really wanted back in the day. Uh, and also, I wanted to touch on that too because you've 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 uh, sort of re revised and sort of uh, uh, edited a lot of the old fourth edition books. Did you do the same for the fifth edition books as well? The army books that came out as well later on. Well, yeah, there were only two: uh, the Britannia army book and the Lizardmen army book. They're also available for Warhammer Renaissance. And well, and uh, I've just released uh, the first prototype of the, the Dogs of War army, which I the, the Dogs of War army I've changed a lot. 
Um, the dogs have won. I mean, never really worked. Uh, it was a great disappointment. You had these uh, fixed units that were named units with those uh, regiments of renown that you couldn't change. And it wasn't a very versatile army. I, I made it like a, a more versatile army, really inspired by, by um, the uh, dogs of war slash regiments of renown revisions that LSO Cavatol made for 6th edition. I, I made it more like that. Um, and the Lizardmen and the Britannia army, I've changed to the Britannia army uh, is a bit special. You have, you have the option of playing a heroic Britannia army. If you really like the fourth edition, no, no sorry, the fifth edition Britannia army, um, then you can do that. That's the one with the uh, land formation and the arrowhead formation and uh, the virtues and uh, very, um, very ordinary uh, infantry and very, very great knights. And it really had a, a feel of all the knights were oh so good and oh so nice and so virtuous. I, I found it a bit boring. I really liked the, the third and uh, fourth edition um, Britannia Army. I know uh, there wasn't a book for fourth edition, but there was still the pamphlet. Uh, where there were poor, ragged peasants and they had war machines and they were really arrogant bastards and they treated their common folk very badly. Uh, that's the Britannia army I like. It's also the, the Britannia army that uh, we saw more or less in 6th edition. So I made the option that you can play a heroic Britannia army with the same rules as uh, for, for the arrowhead formation and for the lance formation as and and for the 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 what is it called the blessing of the lady of the lake you can do that if you want to uh, you can also opt for the uh, original third edition style uh, army uh, for britannia then you can take uh, peasants and then you can take war machines but you cannot pray for the lady of the lake and you cannot use these special formations i would say that if you see what I what I have done to the armies in in their relative strength to each other, uh, I have toned down, especially the, the Lizardman army book, and a bit on the Britannia army book relative to what I have done to the fourth edition army books, uh, because I remember and our playtest showed that I remembered right, the the revised army book of fifth edition was more powerful than the original army books from fourth edition and it's really no fun uh, to have an army book that's so much better i believe the lizardman army book had really a great potential they were very 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 good uh, and you would really have a hard time winning over a well-played lizardman army if you played with one of the fourth edition books well so all, all the army books from 4th and 5th edition are there. If, if we look at some of the, the army books that came out in 5th edition revised, it was the High Elves, and it was Chaos, and it was Vampire Counts. They, they have a remake in 5th edition. And I have looked into this remake as well. So uh, the, the, the Warhammer Renaissance High Elf army book uh, resembles this remake just as much as it uh, resembles the original book and so on with the Chaos book and uh, the Vampire Counts book. When you play Vampire Counts, uh, you, you have the option 
of uh, having a, a mummy lord and playing an army that resembles very much what later became a Tomb King army. You can also play a vampire count or play an army that resembles very much what was in, what was in the vampire count army. You can also play a list lord, the good old list lord from the original 4th edition Undead book, and play an army that resembles that very much. So the kind of general you take dictates what kind of troops you can have in your army. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay, interesting. So just touching on the Chaos book, because I know there were three books, so like you know, the original box set for 4th edition, then they came with another 5th edition box set, then they came with the Champions of Chaos. Did you sort of amalgamate all those uh, rules into one book with various different lists so that you could play either an, an all-Chaos army, an all-Beastman army, an all-Demon army, or as, as sort of like a vanilla army kind of thing where you could have all different kind, like a different mix of different kinds of troops in one list, how did you handle um, it? It was the most difficult challenge of them all, and I'm not sure it's over yet. If uh, if there's one army book that I might still make a few changes in, it could be the Chaos Army book. Uh, as it is now, you can play a mortal army. If you take a mortal character, you can also have beastmen and you can also have demons. But it's also possible that you take a beastman army that only includes beastmen, and then you have a few extra options. For example, you, if you do that, you can you can utilize the ambush special rule. You can take uh, giants and jabberslice and and stuff like that. And if you um, if you take a demon army, you can also have demonic chariots and stuff like that. So I have introduced a few things that appeared first in, in 6th edition, also, in fact. Um, so you have really much the option of, of playing the army that you want to. It's optional if you want to use the Chaos Gift in the original uh, Chaos box set uh, from 1994. In 4th edition, there was this Chaos Gift, those red cards... Uh, you can use them if you want to, but you don't have if you don't have to, and especially if you don't have the cards, you don't need to. Um, so right now, uh, yeah, there's really many uh, opportunities. All the special characters that came in the Champions of Chaos, I have made uh, revisions of those special characters. They are available. Uh, all special characters from all army books are available uh, for Warhammer Renaissance. Um, but I'm, I might look further into Chaos, and perhaps I would simply make uh, three different army books. Uh, but all of this is just things I am considering. I still want it to be, um, I still want the game to be in such a way that you can play almost the army that you want to, as long as it's reasonable balanced. And I think you should be allowed to uh, to mix all the different units and types in one Chaos Army, if that is what you want to. Okay, that's interesting. All right, so I'll, I'll have to have a look at that. Uh, so these, these army books are in the files section in the Warhammer Renaissance uh, yeah. group on Facebook. Is that right? Um, I have... Um... I have made one big file that I call the complete 2020 edition, and you will find everything in that one single file. Every army books, all spells, all rules, everything. Okay, so if, if people aren't connected to Facebook and they just do not wish to 
interface with Facebook at all. Is there another sort of uh, uh, online resource uh, site where they could access No, not, not as yet. I, uh, I think I will, I'll make a homepage eventually one day. Um, but um, presently, I'll keep it on Facebook. Um, I don't think the game is 100% finished. I believe it's 99% finished. Uh, so there's, uh, I just came up with some trial rules just the other day. I, I put them on Facebook. And I also want to make a, an, 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 uh, I, I want to edit the whole rule book and army books to make them more accessible. I want to reconsider all point costs, everything. But it's only minor, minor, minor adjustments. For the last year or so, I've kept, uh, I haven't changed the rules at all. They have been very, very much the same. But I still think that there could be clarifications, there could be things. Um, and it's more easy in a Facebook group uh, to agree with people. This is a, a game that is uh, in the making. It's still changing. We're still discussing things. I believe perhaps uh, in 2021, um, uh, I, I might make a, a homepage and make it accessible there. Uh, so it will be eventually, but uh, a joint Facebook, <laughs> it's not like it hurts or something. You can also just write me a uh, balda asmussen at gmail.com and then I'll write, uh, I'll send the rules to you. No problem. Okay, that's really good advice, and thank you for offering your email address for people who want to access it, who don't want to join Facebook. I would say to people who don't want to join Facebook, and there's another guy who just recently did it, who's like a member of my YouTube channel. I said, look, just just make up you you make up a fake name like your favorite character in the Warhammer uh, world, and then you know just just you know write a fake address or fake country where you're from. It doesn't really matter, just so that you're part of the communities that are on there because they're so active now, especially with this lockdown situation around the world. And there's so much good content, and you know, not only from you know Warhammer Renaissance, but from the Hero Hammer group, the Middle Hammer group, Old Hammer group. Yeah, there's some really talented people out there who, who are producing some wonderful stuff that um, you know people would be really inspired, and, and people would get you know would have probably more uh, inspiration from seeing those uh, particular projects people are working on to carry on and pick up their old miniatures and you know get and get involved with these kind of groups. Um, so just touching on with the with the rules uh, in general, uh, people have always you know been concerned about balance and all these kind of issues with uh, different editions of the game and uh, like from from fourth and fifth, for example. Uh, have you have you like with your extensive play testing with your with your particular group that you got the guys that you game with? Have you tried to balance out uh, the sort of the power creep and that kind of thing uh, between fourth and fifth? Um, Warhammer Renaissance is a high power game, so rather than tone things down, I would rather scale up things that wasn't so powerful. I haven't really toned down the powerful characters. I have toned down the defensive items. You cannot have a series of ward save. You can only have one unmodified save. Um, and um, instead, I have tried to make regiments stronger. Uh, the, and, and a bit cheaper, and, and then have a better balance between regiments and uh, and characters. And there's also there's also been a, a slight change in the power relationship between the army books. 
some army books have become a little stronger and some have become a little weaker, but not much. Uh, I have tried to give as many options and possibilities as possible. Warhammer is a game about um, having a lot of chances. You, you, um, you, you have like, um, you, you take all kinds of regiments, heroes, war machines that have a potential for dealing lots of damage. You pick some spells and each war machine, each wizard, um, each uh, demon slayer sword is a chance you have to do great epic deeds. It's not, you cannot be sure it will succeed. So if, um, if there's a, a problem with balance, I would rather give more options to those who did not have as many options before. Um, it's not so that there is one thing in Warhammer that is especially good. It's more like, I, I believe most people agree that it's like, um, what is it called? Uh, stone, uh, scissors, and um, paper. Yeah. Uh, this this game where paper beats stone, uh, but uh, stone beats scissors and scissors beats paper. So when you, you when we make an army, you should just have the option of having lots of stone, lots of scissors, lots of papers, and and see what's happening. In sixth edition, they tried to tone it all down. Magic items became less powerful, and um, you couldn't take as many heroes, and there was limits to this, and there was limits to that, and it worked all right, uh, balance was restored, but you could also have done it in another way. Warhammer Renaissance is an alternative 5th or 6th edition. Uh, instead of, of, um, of trying to make things more balanced the way they did in 6th edition, I have tried to make it more balanced using the same uh, me mechanics and as, as there was in 4th and 5th edition. Um, the magic items are one thing. There's no limit to how much a magic item can cost. As you just, uh, Lord can take three magic items and they could cost just as much as, as you want to. Um, what um, I think, what's always the most um, controversial thing is the magic system. Uh, and the magic system of fourth and fifth edition um, this is a very powerful uh, magic system that can really it has some there's some spells in there that can really change the game. They are very colorful. They are vivid spells. They are very fun. In in sixth edition, they toned magic down a bit, but they kept the problem. The problem in almost all editions of Warhammer, at least all those editions that I have played, is that the more wizards you bring to the tabletop the more powerful they get. So they get progressively better the more you bring. Um, I have tried to fix that, which I mean, th this is perhaps the, the largest problem with balance, that is magic. I tried to fix that in the same vein as in fifth edition, saying there's a limit to how much magic there can be on the battlefield. In fourth edition, uh, you would have 1d6 extra uh, magic cards for each wizard you brought to the battlefield. In in fifth edition, you could only have 2d6. And uh, I agree to that. It's fixed to 2d6. And uh, so you you cannot bring, if, if you bring uh, a lot of wizards to your battlefield, you have probably wasted some point. 
because there would be spells, there would be wizards which you cannot utilize. I've also looked very, very carefully at the magic rules, and I've come up with a mix between fourth and, and fifth edition uh, that should make the magic phase a little less random. Uh, I have made um, natural dispels more accessible and cheaper. So you can ease, more easily buy magical defense for your regiments. And I've also said that a dispel scroll will dispel total power. The total power card was very powerful. And I think many players have had the feeling I lost this game because my opponent got the total power card. Uh, it's not so anymore. In Warhammer Renaissance, you can say I lost this game because I wasted my Dispel Scrolls and didn't save it for the real crucial moment. Um, so in, in relation to, to power and balance, I think I have done a really uh, hard job trying to fix the magic phase. When I started making Warhammer Renaissance, I decided I want to keep the spells and the basic mechanic of 4th edition magic. And especially I wanted to keep the college spells. The college spells went out in 5th edition and I thought that the battle magic replacement was very boring and it was such a shame and I'm very glad they brought back uh, those college spells in later editions. Uh, anyway, I wanted to use them for 4th uh, for edition. So this meant I, I had to find out a way to utilize those spells without magic dominating the game too much. And this means, for example, I have put some general restriction on teleport spells. Teleporting your regiments around and your heroes around the battlefield can be really a game winner strategy. So I have decided you have to be able to, to see the target that you want to teleport to if you want to charge them. And if you charge them, it is just like when you come from flying high, if they flee, you cannot pursue and they can always shoot and you and well, that's a lot of stuff details. Um, so yeah, basically Matic has been tampered with a lot, but it is fourth edition Matic. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sort of more and more intrigued now as, as to actually having a look at that because I know that today, I noticed today you did uh, release that update, update, update for Magic uh, in, your, in, your, uh, in the Facebook group, sorry. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of quite keen to, over the weekend maybe, just to have a look through and have a look through those files and just sort of check things out and um, maybe get one of the guys locally here to give it a try with me because... You know, we always play fifth because it's kind of like the one point ver one point five version of fourth. But you know, I love fourth. I've got the magic set here of fourth for fourth uh, fourth edition, and I've got all the ma uh, of the army books and that kind of thing. So I, I sort of want to keep it in fourth edition, but of course using the fifth edition rules. So maybe this is kind of like a nice alternative that we can sort of switch out every now and again and play uh, Warhammer Renaissance just to give us a little bit something a little bit different that we're not sort of experiencing with fifth edition uh which also brings me to the point and um did you at any time approach rick priestley or any of the other game designers from games workshop back in the day like with an email to say hey you know rick i'm you know sort of um making my own homebrew rules would you like to check these out uh, yes in fact I, have. Uh, I sent him the rule book the uh, 2020 edition and uh he, he replied, oh, that surely must have been a, a labor of love. Uh, 
And I told him, no, it's procrastination. <laughs> um, and I've also, um, I've also read the recent uh, interview that Jan Wampert had made with uh, Rick Prieschner. It's been really interesting to, uh, to read those interviews where he talks about uh, the game and, and what he has done and what happened to the game after uh, he was no longer the, the lead developer. Um, and I agree with Rick Priestley that fourth and fourth and fifth edition are the most uh, intriguing, the most interesting uh, era in 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 Warhammer. Oh, that's awesome to hear that. Yeah, you know, Rick had some feedback. You, you sent him the rules, and he was very positive about it. That's that's wonderful because I think I think Rick, in his heart, like you know, obviously he designed this game for the company, but. I think I think he designed these rules and all the games that he's ever produced so that people can just take this concept and then, you know, change it or mold it into the way that they want to play it eventually. Like they, they're just going to tailor it to the way that they, they're more comfortable with. So that's what exactly what you're doing there, uh, Boulder. So that's that's excellent. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that uh, I'm happy that you got a response for that. That's good. Uh, also, uh, what's your favorite model? Do you think? Uh, or miniature in all of your armies. What what would you say would be your okay. favorite? Um, well, there are many contenders. I think the Marauder Giant is really great. Um, I love those halflings that is eating uh, chicken legs. Um, I, I love the the Kisler Wing Glances. But I think that my most favorite models would be the College Wizards of Fourth Edition. And in particular, the Celestial Wizard. The Celestial Wizard has a headgear and stuff that looks very, very odd and like something that I've never seen before. And his, his great bright painted colors, as it appears in the books, as on the pictures, is, is really great too. Um, it's very original and it's only, you will only see that type of wizard in, in a Warhammer game, I believe. So <clears throat> the, um, the Celestial 4th edition Collismatic Wizard, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, that would be my favorite model. <clears throat> okay, mate, just, just take a break and have a drink <clears throat> if you like. Um, it's interesting you said that because I've actually just recently bought one from a guy in Australia that's a Celestial Wizard. And he's got, yeah, he's got a really sort of really strange kind of headset. And I think a lot of those wizards from the Colors of Magic were quite unique. Uh, like the Grey Wizard, obviously, is like the, you know, uh, archetype of uh, Gandalf. But a lot of them had some really sort of unique sort of um, styles to them that I think Dave Andrews really captured in his uh, designs. So of all the colleges, of all the eight colleges, which one is your favorite? Which oh, one that's like a to difficult one too. <clears throat> I have just been, I've just been reading through the, the <laughs> charismatic yesterday uh, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I introduce this rule that you must be able to see the target of your spell, each and every spell, would there be any problems? And right now I'm just skimming through all the spells and thinking, could this perhaps work? Uh, so I have just read all the spells very recently, and <clears throat> I think Celestial is my my favorite because they can. Uh, there's this uh, Crystal Chariot. That's a very funny spell that you can 
um, derail your enemy. And there is the Sapphire Arch, uh, which is a, a very, not, not as, as effective as the other teleport spells, but very, very fun. You, you, you summon this Arch, magical Arch, you can send your troops through, you can cast a spell again, and then they get charged out of this Arch. I really like the idea. They have very good spells. That makes uh, gives you rerolls and they are useful in many situations. Um, but for tactical purposes, I believe that amethyst and gray is the best. But it's a very small margin, really. All 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 the spell decks are, are really good. There there are some 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 decks I don't play very often. Jade magic, for example, because. Jade Magic would really support a high-level wizard that would take part in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And it's re very rarely you have a high-level wizard that would do that. But if you do, then Jade Magic would work very well for that purpose. Um, about Celestial Magic, I remember um, in, in 1995 or 1996, it was in 4th edition, we were playing a 5 player battle where we made the rules up ourselves uh, and I was playing the Empire Army and I had uh, I had raised the, the Sapphire Arch in order to move a cannon and a cannon crew into it to place it somewhere else far away from the bloodthirster that it was facing but then I got the total power card and I played the total power card I played Crystal Teriotia I moved the Bloodthirster into the, the arch and closed it. And I never cast that spell again. Uh, and I believe this story, which I've told so many times, uh, is quite frankly the reason why I love Celestial. And why I love, also love 4th edition so much, I mean, you really have to have some very funny and ingenious spells in order to, uh, in order for something like that to happen, and uh, this is a warm thought to Rick Priestley, who wrote all those spells that uh, made such things possible. Wow, that's a, that's an awesome story. So that that would probably be your most memorable game you've ever played. Do you think, or would, would there be another um, game that you? It is it is the one that um, that I remember the most. Uh, uh, all these uh, uh, at, at, at the present. There are other games as well. I remember one where we played many players again against a huge, huge undead army. And we had borrowed all many great cannons. So many great cannons. Uh, I don't know how many we had, but more than six, perhaps ten. Um, and we all shot our great cannons towards the under general, shot him down in the first turn. He was bound to, to, to fail his lookout so eventually. And uh, that was that. We have, we have spent hours preparing the battle, putting it up, and then we shut down the general in the first turn. Uh, it's not the most fun battle that I've ever played, but it's definitely one I will remember forever. Awesome. And... If if you if you could arrange uh, a Warhammer Renaissance game with Rick Priestley <laughs> at some point in the future, like hypothetically, uh, which army uh, would you Empire. like to take to face him? 
and he would play orcs and goblins. Oh, nice, very good. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he, he actually wrote that. I, I, rem sure I remember <laughs> in, in one of the, the White Dwarves, he, he writes, I am really an orc and goblin player by heart. So if you want to understand Rick Priestley and the way he likes to play Warhammer, you should read the original 4th edition Orcs and Goblin army book. This is the way Rick Priestley thinks. It's, it's one of my favorite, uh, apart from that, that and the Dwarf book, uh, two of my favorite books of all time. And I cherish those. And I recently rebought them because obviously, you know, long, long, long time ago, I, I sold them or gave them away or whatever happened to them, I don't know. But yeah, um, they are two of the most, well, the most iconic for me, the, the best books they've ever written. Um, you know, Nigel Stillman's obviously, a, a, I'm a huge fan of Nigel. Uh, because it's his, you know, like Rick, it's his mind that kind of conjures up all these wonderful uh, images in, in, in your own mind and with their stories and um, the, the, the characters they make and that kind of thing. I know they're sort of lent from history, but they've got their own sort of unique twist on it. And um, they're great storytellers, those guys. And that they really made uh, the Warhammer world for me, I think. So, yeah, that's awesome. So I hope, you know, through our conversation and interview today that more people become aware of this uh, Warhammer Renaissance and that they uh, will discover your group on Facebook at some point and download those files and actually try it with their friends uh, once the lockdown's over or whatever. And, um, and the people who don't have Facebook maybe, you know, want to just jump on Facebook just to have a look at it or to see the, uh, the Hero Hammer group because there's, there's quite a lot going on. Uh, now uh, on uh, on Facebook, uh, activity-wise, and that yeah, they they have some alternative rule set because maybe I'm sure there's a lot of people from that '90s era, like you and myself there, that uh, you know grew up and were introduced with fourth edition. So uh, I think it's you know it's uh, definitely has its place, uh, you know, in our gaming circles, in our gaming clubs, and um, and I hope yeah, I hope through this interview, mate, that people become more aware of these yes, rules and, and want to try I, them. I, if I may add, I would really appreciate uh, any kind of feedback at all. Uh, it would be wonderful if uh, a few more uh, people would play this game, perhaps someone with a different playing culture uh, than our own gaming group. Uh, they could add a different perspective. And the game is uh, still in the making, even though it's, it's almost done uh, there's always the little details, uh, the point cost, uh, some rules that could be clarified. There, um, there, I would appreciate ideas for just making it perfect. It will never grow really perfect. It's too complex a game to become really perfect. But you can always strive towards perfection. Well said, mate. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, you know, no game's ever ever perfect. I think we've come to the realization that now, being in you know being in the hobby for so long, that we're gonna we we find something that sort of you know fits our needs and that you know makes us happy at the end of the day. So, what what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get Justin, my gaming buddy, or one of the guys here uh, in my local Tokyo Warhammer group, to play a game with me using these Renaissance rules, and. Um, as Justin's you know, painting up his empire army at the moment, and I'm painting up a Skaven army, 
I've got dwarves and goblins, orc and goblins as well. So we've got enough armies to try out, and we want, yeah, we want to just test it out, see how we go with it, and then we're going to give you some feedback uh, if need be. But I'm, 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 you know, from what you've what you've said about the rules, you haven't really changed it so much. So it's still going to be the game that I remember and love from back in the day, with a few minor tweaks here and there. So yeah, I really look forward to trying it out, mate. So thank you very much for coming on uh, to the Chronic Man podcast today. And it's well, been a, thank a you. Real pleasure and talking when to you that. try out that game, um, uh, don't forget into go into the file section in the Warhammer Renaissance group, and you'll see this uh, reference sheets. Uh, these can be very helpful uh, to take you through the game. Okay, thank you. I'll remember that, and uh, that's that sounds like very good advice because I always like having a reference sheet when I. Uh, when I play Warhammer. So, okay, well, thank you very much again. And uh, I'll, I'll ask you to send me some uh, images of your battles and your army so that I can make a little special video for the viewers on the channel so they can see some of your amazing uh, army progress and, uh, and battle shots so to get them really inspired in, in the game. So thank you very much again for joining me. And uh, hopefully, we we'll might we we'll might ask you back on again after me and Justin have had a few games, so that we can talk well, obviously, about yes. some of our experiences. If you'd like to do that, all right. Okay, thank Bye. you very much again, and uh, I'll catch you again next time. Thank you once again for listening and downloading another episode of the Crown of Command podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to contact us with some questions or feedback, please get in contact with us through the Crown of Command podcast at gmail.com or through the Anchor email address or on my YouTube channel under the same name at the Crown of Command podcast or on Twitter, Instagram, or on Facebook. So until next time, guys, take care and I'll see you in the next one. Okay, bye.